Welcome to the Desert Life Church podcast. We're so excited you've tuned in to hear our weekend message. From wherever you are listening, we hope you're inspired by this message. Hi, take a seat, take a seat, please. Thank you, Jesse. Hi. Hi, my name is Judy. I'm a volunteer here at the church, and I have the microphone. So at this exact moment, I would like to invite everybody in the room that currently is not volunteering to join the Hope Team. So if you are a Hope Team leader, if you are parking lot ministry, anything, if you lead anything on the Hope Team, raise your hand right now. Cam, up. Cam, hand up. Thank you. Hi. Hi, Cam. Hi. Very much higher. Cam, right there. Go see Cam. Or me. But um, I'm looking. And I'm sure I'll do an altar call for those that are not currently serving at the end of the sermon. Amen. Okay, now be serious. I do take this very seriously. Good evening. And I'm serious. I do take this very, very seriously. Um, I actually really love teaching um, and preaching, uh, but I do get sick pretty much every time <laughs> I do it. I still get a little nervous. Uh, but I do want to testify and give God some serious glory because I really got sick this afternoon around 2 o'clock. And I, I seriously thought at 4 o'clock that I was going to have... Um, like an episode with kidney stones. And I kept thinking, eh, it'll be fine. Pastor Ben, Mez can wing it tonight. And I kept, and <laughs> I just kept praying. I was like, Lord, please, please, it's so unfair for me to do this to them. And I kept thinking, if you put it off any longer, they're really going to be mad at you if you knew that four o'clock you might be sick. And uh, so immediately got in the car on the way to church and completely healed, completely gone. Yeah. So God is good. So let's just um, pray that I don't pick it up when I walk right off the, the altar in Jesus' name. So um, whenever I'm, I get the opportunity to speak or preach, there's a, there's a very strong thing that's on my heart, and I probably will say this every single time until God tells me to cut it out before I talk. There's only really two things I ever want anybody to know at the end of the message. I don't care what you take away from this, but I want you to know the love of God, and I want you to know the value and worth you have in God's eyes. I, I can't even begin to, to get into the depth and level of the love that God has for you. Right where you're at, right now, all the decisions that you're making, does not matter what lifestyle you lead, nothing. God literally adores you. He says that you are the apple of his eye. All right, so I need you to know that first before we even try to get into his word. And then secondly, he formed you for a purpose. He chose you to be where you were at, and he formed gifts and all kinds of things inside of you. And he values that. And he values you. All right, so no matter what I may say after this that may hurt your feelings, (laughs) God loves you. (laughs) No, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. (laughs) All right, so this is the 6 p.m. service, but it's really not the 6 p.m. service. What night is this? What's the name of this service? Thank you, dear babe. That's my husband. (laughs) It's encounter night. All right, so a a long time ago, I had a friend preach a message, and they preached on expectation and anticipation, and how pointless it is to go anywhere without expectation or or anticipation, work or anything. It's encounter night, and without being kitschy and cliche, because I don't normally do that, we're going to encounter God tonight. In some way, some manner, you're going to get something out of this. It never matters who's speaking. It doesn't matter how good they are or how bad they are. If they're up here, and they were under the authority of their pastor, and, and if it's the pastor under the authority of God, you're going to get a word. If you're listening, you know, my, my older pastor years ago used to say, not the really young 40-year-old, early, early 40s guy that he keeps talking about here. Um, 
he said, eat the meat, throw out the bone. There's always something you can gain out of a word of God. So if you're not expecting something right now, I want you to stop for a minute and get it right. Let's expect something. I also fully expect, because I'm old school, that you got the word of God on you somewhere right now. Because you're in school. So if you got a phone, I expect you not to, not tonight, actually, I'm so bad at Tonight's the worst night to get you for this, because I am actually going to end up doing that whole Bible flipping thing on you that I despise. I'm going to be quoting several scriptures, but there's a point to it. So you might want to just write them down, because you're not really going to want to turn to them. So tonight I want to talk about encountering God, and what's stopping us from doing that. What stumbling blocks we have in our lives, and what prevents us from doing that. When you say, what does an encounter look like? What does that sound like? What does it look like? What do you envision? An encounter with God. This is personal. You may envision a burning bush. You may envision a dream. You may envision while reading the word, getting understanding. What does an encounter with God look like to you? We're all fearfully, wonderfully, and individually made. There's no right or wrong answer. But you should fully be expecting to encounter God as a believer. I mean, not just the first time you got saved. You should be encountering God on a regular basis. In some form, in some manifestation, somehow you should be meeting God somewhere. But we're here tonight together on a night that's ordained just for that. Ooh, that was a big church word, ordained. My pastor does not like those church words. So tonight was designated. (laughs) Let me get back. Pull it back in. So do you want an extraordinary encounter? Do you want, I want an encounter, period. But if you're going to give me an option, I want an extraordinary encounter. You know, I want lightning, thunder. I know I said, y'all pray for my husband, because y'all, you know, those of us who know us personally, like really, really well, know that we have the marital issues everybody else has, but you really do have to honor that man for marrying me, because if you know me at all, you know, that's a ministry in all in itself. So when I, when I said I wanted to get married, I told God, you're going to have to break heaven, stand in front of my face with tablets and his name like emblazoned on it. And if I break it, you have to remake them again. You know, I was very clear that I'm not messing around. When I get married, it's till death do us part. It's like, literally, one of us will either die (laughs) or we'll just grow old together and pass away. I'm I'm not doing this again. This is for real. Next to salvation, I think marriage is the greatest commitment you make. You know, and if God doesn't tell me to leave, I ain't leaving. You're stuck. You're stuck. You're going to sue me for divorce. I mean, I'll be standing in court talking about he lying. I don't want to leave him. You know, this is a commitment. All right, so, you know, I was very serious about God showing this to me. All right, so I love God. Can you say that? Do you love God? Like, I unashamedly love God, like a little crazy love God. All right, so I grew up, I never heard anybody tell me they love me. I never heard I love you. Not to my recollection, maybe my sister did, but I grew up in care and in different homes, and my mother wasn't mentally well, so I have no recollection of that. So I had a child, and I must have told her I loved her. (laughs) every breath. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I hung up one time when she was in college. She called back, mom, you didn't say I love you. I love you. (laughs) And I do. I really love my children. (laughs) But when I got saved, I experienced a love I had never experienced before. I did not understand this at all, but I knew I loved him. I knew that I would stand in the street corners like some crazy psycho with a really big Bible going, I love God. You should too. I mean, he was that great. He brought so much healing to my life. It was to to not know what love is like, real love is like to get saved, that's a shock. And it's an overwhelming feeling that you just, you don't forget it. I remember the day I got saved. I remember where I was at, what condition my life was in. And I do remember walking around with a giant Bible in my hand because I didn't know what else to do. 
Um, and it was an extraordinary change in my life that night. You know, I cursed like a sailor. Six hours into shift, my soldier turns around and says to me, hey, Sergeant Hall, you okay? I was like, yes. You know, it's the night of my salvation. I got saved that day. I'm great. And she goes, but you haven't cursed all shift. Really? I was like, you know what? She's like, I'm sure I don't want to hear this. <laughs> so I had a radical change. I encountered God at salvation, but I was determined to find out everything I could about this God and what I could get out of it. If somebody else could raise the dead, then I can raise the dead. I mean, if somebody else can, can speak in tongues, I'm speaking in tongues. There's just nothing. I wasn't going to get gypped or ripped off of anything. I mean, this was my walk. I was going to own it, and I'm going to go after it. And if you know me at all, tenaciously, OCD-ishly, like obsessively, analyst, that's what I am. So I want you to try to find that tonight, just for 15, 20 minutes, after I get done running my mouth and actually get into the Word. I want you to find that tonight. I want you to find where you're desperate to hear from God tonight. Just one thing, God. I just want one thing out of the word tonight. I want one thing to hit me. I want one thing to remember, something to take home, something that will last more than just tonight and wake up and go about my business tomorrow. So we all go through like cleansings like that, like, like what do I need to get rid of? What's in my way? We go on diets. We work out. We change the way we eat. Me and Joe tried that. How'd that go, Joe? Yeah, we're done. Um, <laughs> And then, those of you that know Marie Kondo? Okay, so a lot of people Marie Kondo their lives, and they pick things up if you don't know her. She's a little Japanese lady, and she's like, does this bring joy? No, throw it out. All right, so does it spark joy? I'm sorry, spark joy, spark joy. So seriously, may I ask you, do your choices spark joy? Do the consequences of your choices spark joy? There's a scripture in Proverbs that I absolutely adore that my children despise. And it is, he who does not heed correction is stupid. <laughs> I don't know about you, but in elementary school in America, stupid is a curse word. You know, I didn't know that. You don't say stupid. But the word of God literally says that. And the word is actually brutish. But in other versions, it says the word stupid. If you don't learn from your mistakes and you repeat it, it's foolishness. So if it doesn't spark joy, why are you doing it? Now, joy is not happiness, not the temporary, like when I scarf down an entire chocolate bar. I'm talking about, and I feel bad afterwards. <laughs> Stupid. Why would you continually make the same choices over and over again? Why would you feel the immense guilt that comes with that and the enemy comes in and condemns you? You have to, this is something, I'm not condemning you. I'm asking you to ask yourself, why do I do this? Do you take the time to ask yourself that? Do you take the time to evaluate and judge your actions and choices? I think we've gotten to a society and an emotion where we go to bed and get up and go to bed and get up. And there's even a meme going around about it. Hey, I'm going to work today to repeat the same cycle, to get paid, to pay rent. You know, they make a joke about it, but we do it. We're not intentional. And we got to be intentional about our walk with God if you want something from it. And stop expecting to pray, throw God off in the corner, and hopefully he'll show up sometime today. God goes with you wherever you go. You should be seeing the world through the eyes of God. Your actions, your choices, and where you go. So, if they don't spark joy, Marie Kondo it. Get rid of it. Other things surrounding you, things in your thoughts and things inside of you, your battles, that you would like to give over to him in your relationship with him. Are things going well for you? I can't tell you how many confirmations I got on this word intentional and go well. Today, some, so many people said to me, go well, go well. Who says that? Like, he actually says those words together. Because that's what we're talking about tonight. Going well. 
being intentional. So there are all kinds of little tidbits in the Word of God, and I'm only picking out a few. For those of you that do read your Word, there is an immense wealth of knowledge in the Word of God. And if you read it slow, a little bit more intentionally, it's astonishing what you pick out off the pages. Just reading Romans chapter 1 and 2, the way we divide up his letter, when he closes it out at the end, it talks about the circumcision. Paul talks about the circumcision of the heart. If you've read carefully 1 and 2, you'll see that he has basically destroyed the Roman philosophy and the Judaism and the way they thought they were great. And in that very last sentence, he knits them together as one team. Just right there, before he starts to go right into the greatest theological book we probably have. He makes them all one team before he goes forward. All right, so we do that in the military. You come into basic training, you got all the super athletes, you got all the guys out of shape. We break the athletes down so that they're running slow. We bring up the slow ends, and eventually you meet somewhere in the middle because there's no point in having this type of discombobulated team. So, okay, Deuteronomy 4, if you're flipping. We're going to Deuteronomy 4. He said, if you keep my statutes, this is a toughie because people don't want to hear about this in church anymore. If you keep my statutes and my commandments, tough words, it will go well with you. But it won't even just go well with you. He said here in Deuteronomy 440, he said it will go well with you, and then it will also go well with your children after you. All right, now I know that we're not, we're promised now that our curses and our lives don't pass on to our children anymore, but I'm holding on to the blessings. I'm holding on to the fact that whatever I do according to the word of God will also bless my seed. I'm not giving that up. So he said here that if you obey me, if you follow me, and part of that is being in the word and being in relationship with me, it'll go well with you and then even your children after you. He repeats it again in the word of God in Ephesians 6, where he tells the children, honor your mother and father, and it will go well with you. And not only will it go well with you, it will go well with you for a long time. It will be long on the land. And then Psalm 34:10, he says, but those who seek the Lord will lack no good thing. So seeking is a whole different thing than just, you know, hit and run. Hey, God, what's up? This is my day. Check you later. See you tonight, maybe. Seeking God is a, is a whole different thing. And it really doesn't require hours. You go to work for hours and hours a day. It doesn't take hours and hours, unless you're a teacher or preacher, it's going to take hours and hours. But in your normal walk, if you're cultivating on a regular basis and seeking him, the word of God promises you that you will lack no good thing. All right, you absolutely, though, cannot be lukewarm. All right, so I, I did a study on this. First of all, I love the, seven, the letters to the seven churches. Like, if you really get into those, those are phenomenal letters. And if you go into the history and what happened to those churches, um, they played out. So Laodicea was in a very rich area between two very famous cities. And they were well off. And uh, when they first got saved, Christians came under the Jewish church as a sect. Of, of Judaism, because most of the people that got saved were Jewish. So Rome didn't pay too much attention to them. At this time, the Roman emperor was a little off, and uh, he said he was a god, and you need to worship me now, which usually wasn't the custom. It was usually if they died, you worshiped them. But this guy said, I'm a god now, worship me. So anybody that wasn't a Jew had to worship him. Well, a whole bunch of Gentiles started to get saved in Laodicea, and that Christian sect came out from underneath Judaism. Now, these people had to worship the emperor. At that time, if you didn't worship the Roman emperor, you couldn't shop, you couldn't sell, you couldn't do anything. It was like basically being marked. You just couldn't do it. So they were rich. They were used to a certain lifestyle. So Laodicea got lukewarm. 
started to compromise a little bit in their faith, in their walk. If I do this and act like this, I'm not going to get this benefit. And God literally told them, your relationship with me is so disgusting, I just got to spit you out of my mouth. That's deep. You know how we worry about uh, social media? You know, I, I see things on social media, especially with our young people, and I'm like, are you aware you Snapchatted that for everybody to see? Like, be careful. And so as older people, we say, Lord, I'd like to thank you that my entire life did not play out on social media. Because occasionally I'll tell a little bit of a story about my childhood and people be like, what? And I'm like, yes, thank you, Lord. We didn't have social media. Well, Laodicea and the other six churches didn't get that break. For eternity, Laodicea will be known as lukewarm. As so disgusting that God wanted to spit him out of the mouth. He literally said to him, is this confusing? I'd rather that you were cold or hot. What God was saying is, I'd rather know what I'm playing with and what I'm dealing with. I'd rather the world look at you and know you're unholy or you're holy instead of a form of godliness and denying the power thereof. We cannot be lukewarm. There should be no confusion looking at me. You know, not in the manner of, you know, old school Pentecostal, not cutting your hair, wearing long dresses, appearances, lifestyle, attitude. Pastor Danielle, I know she loves to be called that, Pastor Danielle, always says be kind. You know, are we kind? Are we gentle? There's time for rebuke. There's time for hard words. But the majority of the time, it's kind and gentle. We cannot be lukewarm. So we need to be intentional about that. Nothing good and lasting ever came from being wishy-washy or casual about our walk with God. It's gotten really quiet in here. Remember that you're supposed to be encountering God. (laughs) All right, so we must be intentional. And what does that look like? We know exactly what intentional looks like. It's, yes, he is here. I'm going to talk about you, but in a good manner, Dr. Kashi. Um, to get where Dr. Kashi is, he had to be intentional. If you were rolling into the operating room, like some of us have had the, the pleasure of doing and seeing certain people, actually half the church works at the hospital, and you see Dr. Kashi there, you really would hope that he was intentional about his education and training at that exact moment. It's not something you want to risk. But he doesn't get, nor does his wife, Dr. Jacob, get where they are at without being intentional. It doesn't happen. You just don't casually become a doctor. Right? That goes for anything in here. A lot of you will make comments. You don't say it to him, so I'm not going to say any names, so I'll just put it out there, and Danielle can deal with his big head later. That Pastor Ben teaches with such authority and wisdom and knowledge. That doesn't happen being lukewarm. You've you got to be intentional about study. You've got to go up to him like I do and be like, what are you reading right now? You know, and find out because it's, it's that poignant when you hear that type of teaching. Like you know that it's not casual or lukewarm. So that's not your calling. You don't have to do that. But whatever you are at in your life, you need to be intentional about it. Husband, wife, mother, wherever you work at, whether it's amazingly skilled labor or whether it's just working in customer service at Target for your first job after children leave the house. You be intentional about it. You do the best that you can do with it. So things like praying, that's great. But alone, you're missing something. Reading the word, fantastic. But if you're only doing the reading the word and not other things, that's not going to work for you. Attending church, incredibly important. But if you're not praying or reading your word, it's not going to work for you. Then you've got to add other things to it, like worship or, or fasting. But if you're not doing anything else, you're not fasting, you're starving yourself. All right? These things have to be wrapped up and all tied together. And when we do and make them an intentional part of my li- our lives, it will produce something. 
it will develop something in our lives. And in seeking him, he will add all these things unto you. That's his word. That is his word. Now, for those of you that study the word, will have heard this whole conversation peppered with scripture. I haven't quoted every scripture I've said, but I've said a lot more than the ones I told you. You get into the word of God and uncover it and develop it in your life. I promise you, your life will change in ways that you didn't expect. All right, so I have three points regarding being intentional and encountering God. And the first point, you must choose to spend time with him. Choose to spend time with him. And I'm going to give you one example, and I could probably just walk away. Jesus spent time with God. Jesus in the flesh came down here, and in order to make it through his walk and his calling in life, he had to spend time, God the flesh, with God the universe. I can promise you, if Jesus needed to spend time with him, we need to spend time with him. So choose to serve him. But I'm going to tell you what the difference is with that lukewarm here in this choosing to spend time with him part. Look, there's a reason we struggle. Because it's just the one thing the enemy doesn't want us to do is to ever get to know God. We have distractions upon distractions, and when we don't have distractions, we're tired. Let's just, all of us struggle with this. But you do it, you choose. There is a difference, listen to my words, between living safe and living saved. Living safe is living in close proximity to salvation. You have saved family, friends, you probably operate in a saved culture, even attending church but never really making the commitment to live out our lives as a believer. That's safe. It feels safe. It feels right. I'm covered. I'm next to people that pray. Laodicea was in the danger of this. They were compromising for comfort. But living saved is walking it out. Having a relationship with this God, this amazing, incredible, supernatural God that 100% believes in you. He wants the best for you. And is more than eager to work out all those things in your life that are holding you back. Choose him today to spend time with him. Word, prayer, however that looks. And it doesn't have to be a half an hour. Get a devotional. Read the scripture. Read the devotional. Read the scripture again. Pray, Lord, let this word be added to my life. Because if you're not doing that now, just starting that will be a radical change in your life. When you say the enemy has to flee, the enemy has to flee. Once you understand your authority, stuff will start going. Hebrews eleven six. we know that is, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Do you know after that, he says, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Who wants a reward from God? Like, seriously, what, what does that look like? Well, I can tell you that too. Because he told Abram that I am your exceeding great reward. So if you spend time with God, you get God. The problem comes in if you wanted something else, right? Seriously, because sometimes we do want something else. That's great. I'm glad you're here, but I really wanted this fleshly thing. You know, we got to bring that under subjection. But if we seek him, he rewards us, and he rewards us with him. And I can't think of anything greater than a tangible, physical evidence that God is in my life. And then choosing to spend time with him. That's the first point. Do it. He's got gifts for you, mostly him. Second one, choose not to skip steps. Now listen, in Acts 19, Paul was doing amazing things, absolutely amazing things. He was praying over handkerchiefs, giving them to people, mailing them off, and they were getting healed. Okay, that's crazy. You do it today and everybody's going to lump you in some, some nut category. All right, if God told me to do it, I'd do it. 
Um, so Paul was doing amazing things, rebuking the enemy, healings, just preaching like amazingly. And then in Acts 19, um, there were these homeless Jewish people that went around exercising demons called the sons of Sceva. We're familiar? So they didn't have names. They had their dad's name. We are the sons of Sceva. So um, they saw Paul doing all this and they thought, hey, I'm going to try this. Skipping steps. They said, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. And they went around doing this for a while. Well, the word of God says verbatim, one day the evil spirit answered them. Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who are you? And the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them, and gave them such a beating. They ran out of the house naked and bleeding. So they skipped a step here. One, they weren't saved. But two, they had a pattern in their life of using someone else's authority to make things happen. Sons of Sceva. Not their own names. I'm under my daddy's name. He's a chief priest. Right? We can't operate under Pastor Ben's authority. We can't operate under our parents' authority. We can't operate under the company's authority. You got to know what you know, what you know about yourself, God, and your, your area of expertise. And you can walk in that authority. All right? Don't skip steps. Jesus was in the garden in John 18, and he was praying. Now, even our Lord and Savior was asking God to remove this calling from his life. Lord, take this cup from me, but nevertheless, let your will be done. He brought three disciples with him, and he only asked them to do one thing. What was that? Watch and pray. Can you all just please watch and pray? Of course, we know they couldn't. They failed in that area. So when he was done getting ministered to by the angels, he stood up to leave, and Judas showed up with the Roman soldiers and the temple police to arrest him. And it's a very good exchange. You should see the exchange anyway between Jesus and them. But good old Peter pops up, wakes up, and slices off Malchus's ear. Skipped a step. If he had watched and prayed, that may not have happened. Besides, he decided, oh, I'm just too tired. He reacted completely in the flesh. Don't skip steps. It will cause you to miss the mark, and sometimes you'll miss it entirely. So one, choose to spend time with him. Two, choose to not skip steps. The final point, choose to follow it through. So what does staying the course look like? It looks like Paul. An extreme example, but I'm going to use him. Paul had the perfect pedigree. He was born to a Roman parent and to a Greek, I mean a Jewish parent, so he could walk both sides. So if you don't know, his whole selection and calling was to reach the Gentiles. That was what he was chosen for. So he had both sides, and it worked to his, that, that's an amazing benefit to have, just walking around there preaching. It was a, a great benefit. So he had the perfect pedigree for this job. He was esteemed in, the, in the Judaism. He was highly regarded by, by pretty much everybody. Perfect training. And by the way, he was a young adult. He would have been able to come at least one more year to your group. All right? So it's not an age thing or maturity thing. It's preparation. All right? So his first encounter with God was on walking into Damascus with three other people at least. And he said, Saul, Saul, this is Jesus. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Even his friends heard it. And at that moment, I don't know if he stumbled or fell or whatever, but they had to help him up because he couldn't see. He was blinded at that exact moment. And so they helped him into Damascus, and he stayed there waiting three days. Why did Paul stay there waiting three days? Because God told him to. 
he was obedient and he did what he said. So he stayed there. Now on top of that was another really faithful guy that was prepared and ready to go named Ananias who got the most ridiculous call from God to go speak to this murderer about Jesus. And even Ananias, he didn't just go, okay. He was like, what? You, you know who Paul is, right? Like, he's killing us. And he was like, no, this is what he's going to do for me, go. Ananias went. Now, that's huge. Paul's job was to put in jail or sanction the death of Christians. So he went. He had to repeat it one time, God did. So two times he had to tell him, but he went. Um, and then when Paul got, gave his life to Christ, got the understanding, then he sat and got teaching. He spent time with God. Got an understanding of it. Do you know what Paul did immediately after that? It said days. I don't know how many days it was. Do you know what Paul did immediately after that? He straight out and went preaching. No hesitation. Gone. He gave up respect, authority. He gave up so much to do that. Going, not, and when we say the complete opposite, it was literally the complete opposite of what he was doing days before. And here he is in the street with no warning to other Christians or Jews, preaching exactly the opposite of what he was preaching days before. Just no questions asked. The encounter with God radically changed him. He was never the same again, but most because he followed through. He didn't stop. He didn't hesitate. He didn't question it. And then his entire walk after that, I call it the second encounter with Paul, with God for Paul, is actually his entire walk. He encountered God the whole time. His faith was immense. His knowledge is incredible. His wisdom, it was, it's just his teachings are great. If you just read the books, read the books, spend time with God in Paul. But that's what following through looks like. If you look at Paul in the beginning, he was kind of rude. He was kind of hard on some of the disciples and, and some of the, the people that were going out preaching. But as time went by, by the time he got to the end, Paul was loving and kind and gentle. Sam, you can come up if you want to. Um, so you ch he chose to follow through. Look at what God can do in your life if you follow through with what he tells you to do. And it doesn't have to be this type of thing. But we're all allotted a life and a time to live out here. What are we doing with it? Paul had a Roman parent, Jewish parent, training culture, perfect choice. He had a perfect pedigree. But what's your pedigree? It's as valuable and as purposed and as loved by God as Paul's pedigree. Because God gave that to you. He chose you. He purposed you. He gifted you. It's not less than anybody else's. And it's absolutely necessary for the kingdom of God. We need you. What is within your power to accomplish? What can you do? You have coworkers, friends, family. Do you have neighbors? Are you an encourager? Are you apt to hospitality? Would you like to feed the hungry, volunteer, cook, visit the sick, pray, help? Drive. Nothing is insignificant within your power to do. So being intelligent and a diligent seeker gets you what reward? God and more of him. Be intentional. Choose to spend time with him. Do not skip steps and follow through. So let's go back to the original question. What does an encounter with God look like? Do you want to encounter God? It doesn't have to happen here can happen anywhere. God is real. He's tangible. Even God said, taste and see. That's a physical manifestation. You can't taste and see something you can't physically see. He's a true and living God, the God above all God. He is 
The amen is what Jesus called him. In him I live, move, and have my being. Meaning, it is through him that we live and function and have our identity. There's nothing boring, quiet, mundane, or routine about this walk. An encounter with God will change you. Tangible evidence to hold on to and to grow with. Now, the most extraordinary person you know may be sitting right next to you right now. Don't shortchange yourself. So in the beginning tonight, I said I wanted you to know that God loves you and that how much value you have in God's eyes. What I'm telling you is if you just put a little effort into your relationship with God, that you'll know that love and you'll understand that value and you'll trust him and you'll be satisfied. You'll be grateful. Your attitude will change. So is anybody struggling in anywhere in here tonight, in an area of their life where they're just, maybe they're over being angry, depressed, um, doubtful, fearful. Maybe you need healing in your body. Maybe you are holding on for a prayer request. Do not give up until it manifests, let me tell you. When you ask for something, God does it, wait for it. But is there areas that you're struggling at in your walk? Do you want an encounter with God? So I'm going to pray tonight. Um, if you want to come up for prayer, we'll have people, leaders, whatever, just please come pray for them. But if you want to encounter, if you want something specifically prayed for tonight, any hindrance, any stumbling block, if you want somebody to pray with you to believe that you can encounter God, just come up tonight. Just, just come up for prayer casually, quietly. Nobody's going to ask you to do anything you don't want to do. Can I ask you to please stand? Please stand. Thank you. Um, but first, I do want to cover... If there's anybody in here that's not a believer tonight, if you're not a believer, I need you to know that God loves you just as much as he loves me, that he cherishes you, and that his son did die for you as well. And if you don't know him and you want to know him, um, it's a very, very easy thing to do, and we'd love to have somebody come talk to you. So if you are not a believer, or you've been away for a very long time and want to give your life back to Christ, can you just shoot your hand up real quick and put it back down? If there's anybody... All right, I'm not going to prolong that. If anybody wants prayer for anything in their lives, they want to encounter God, they want to be done with whatever is hindering them from meeting him, just make your way down the front, and I'm going to close out in prayer. If not, find somebody on the team. Find somebody to pray with you. Don't leave here tonight and not get what it is you want to get from God. It is called Encounter Night, and you need to encounter him tonight if you have a need in your life. Amen? So as I'm praying, if you want to come up, just come up. Lord, we honor you tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your power and your anointing. We thank you for saving us and setting us free. I thank you, Lord God, that as we diligently seek you, you will reward us with your presence. That you will remove things from our lives that we don't want in the way, Father. That you, Father God, will open doors that we've been asking to be opened and we will be aware and walk through them swiftly. I thank you, Lord, for healing tonight. I thank you, Lord, for deliverances. And I thank you for saving, Father. I ask you as we go out this week that we diligently seek you and we are intentional about what we do, intentional in our prayer life and our time with you, intentional in our relationships, intentional on in our jobs, Lord God, that we take you everywhere we go and win people for you. Lord, we thank you for tonight and ask you to have your way in each one of our lives. We honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us in the podcast. 
For more information about Desert Life Church, go to desertlifechurch.org or check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day and remember, you belong here.